Hey, what's going on, everybody, and welcome to the Patriots Beat Podcast for the week of May 9th, 2016. I'm your host, Michael Longi, and we have a great show for you guys this week. Lots of stuff to talk about. I hope you enjoyed your Mother's Day weekend uh, this past weekend. Lots of stuff to talk about here on this show. Lots of stuff going on in the world of the New England Patriots. Uh, Danny Amendola restructured his contract, so we'll talk about the specifics of that as well as what it means for the offense. Uh, we'll also talk about some undrafted free agents the Patriots have signed, including a couple guys that I think will make an impact on this team in 2016. Uh, on that same draft road, I'm going to give you some thoughts on some of the draft picks that I personally like. I didn't give, get a chance to give you my thoughts on that last week, so that's what I'll do here t- today. And uh, also, as always, no no Patriots show would be complete without some deflate gate talk, right? So we will get to that as well. Uh, unfortunately, we were supposed to have Jeff Kane of ESPN New Hampshire as a guest on this week's show. It would have been great to get his his take on all this different stuff. Unfortunately, he had a family situation that he had to attend to at the last minute. I tried to book you guys another guest and get get someone else on here so you didn't have to just listen to me. But as you can imagine, it's very difficult to get uh, to get a hold of anybody on Mother's Day weekend, right? So... Unfortunately, we're going to be stuck with just me today, but uh, I'll try to make the best of it. I'll try to give you guys uh, some hot takes for this week's show. Um, but let's let's dive right in, guys. Let's start off with uh, Danny Amendola, the big news of the week. Uh, restructured his contract for the second time in as many years. He also restructured his contract last year. Um, in 2015, last year, he took uh, a pay cut from $4 million to uh, $1.5 million for last year in order to stay with the team. Uh, Same thing came up this year. It was kind of, you know, everyone really kind of knew that the teams would have to revisit a deal. They'd have to look at some alternative options uh, because he was not, he was scheduled to make $5 million this season and and count $6.8 million against the salary cap. And uh, that's just not going to happen. You know what I mean? That was, everyone knew that that wasn't going to happen. The teams would have to revisit a deal. Otherwise, Amendola would have been cut loose. And to be honest, I do think that the Malcolm Mitchell draft pick was a little bit of a shot in the arm to Amendola saying, listen, we're going to bring some guys in to replace you if you don't want to. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that might have been a little bit of a a leverage play uh, right there. But look, he's going to make $7.35 million over the next two years, plus uh, he can get $750,000 in uh, different incentives and bonuses and things like that uh, for catches and yards and stuff. So you, you cut his, his almost in half, you cut his, his yearly salary. So that's pretty good. He was scheduled to make, uh, I believe, $6 million next year as well. So this is a great deal there. Uh, I'm sure it's kind of like, you know, maybe I haven't looked at the figures. I'm not even sure if they've released them fully yet, but um the way it's broken down, I do think it's probably going to be something like maybe two million for the first year, and then maybe five for second. So then they can revisit it again next year and restructure. The Patriots tend to do things like that and continue to restructure and restructure, restructure. So, um, but look, it's a great move. I mean, Damian, Danny Amendola kind of came into his own last year. Uh, the first couple of years with Tom Brady, I, Tom Brady didn't trust him. Let's be let's be frank about it. He didn't even look his way uh, most of the time. And last year, he kind of broke out 65 catches, 648 yards, and three touchdowns, including a couple really big plays at, at different times throughout the year. He made a couple of really big catches. Uh, 
that you know showed that he is he's making strides as a member of this football team, and it was great to see. Now bringing him back in this year, and now you're bringing him back in at let's say you know two and a half three million dollars. That's definitely you know where you want to be at with that. I think it's not going to change his role any on the team. If, if anything, I think it's going to give him the same amount of playing time. It's pretty much going to lock him into that playing time because the way the offense is structured this year now, because now you got to consider that we're coming back to the two tight end dominated offense. It has to be, right? I mean, you have Gronk and Martellus Bennett plus Clay Harbor as your third tight end. You know what I mean? You have all these different pass catching tight ends. Martellus Bennett and Rob Gronkowski, I mean, the dual threat that you that you throw out there with those two alone is is pretty unbelievable. And then add Julian Edelman to that mix on the outside. And that's going to be the, the most of your passing game. And then, you know, Deion Lewis, et cetera, out of the backfield. So I don't, I don't think Amendola gets any more playing time or any more of a, a feature in this offense, so to speak. I just think that the, the, for that reason, the team wanted to make his contract make a little bit more sense. So, uh, makes sense to me. I think it's a good move. <clears throat> Excuse me. I did think that Amendola would be cut loose. That was something I was thinking, eh, that could happen, especially after uh, the Malcolm Mitchell pick in the fourth round. A kid who I really like, obviously got to love his story, but a kid I really like and I thought would be able to maybe take Danny Amendola's place if if need be. But it looks like Amendola will be staying. Maybe that means Malcolm Mitchell doesn't get as much playing time. Maybe that means um, it's just uh, an insurance policy in case somebody gets hurt because you know there's injuries. Um, that's one thing I would like to say. That is one thing about the, the draft class slash undrafted free agent class slash free agent class of the Patriots this this past offseason is it as of right now, they're pretty deep at every single position that you need to be deep at. Right? I mean you gotta consider when they come back with Tom Brady, you have three quarterbacks, so you're you're deep there. Two of them, you know I heard someone on the radio say this the other day and I, I laugh because it's honestly it's 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 so sad that it's almost it's true. But like you have the best quarterback in the AFC and then probably the eighth or ninth best quarterback in the AFC and Jimmy Garoppolo. So you're pretty deep at that position, even though you have, you know, at running back, you have Deion Lewis coming off the ACL and uh, LeGarrette Blunt coming off the season ending hip injury. You're pretty deep at running back. You have Lewis Blunt. Now you have Donald Brown and you also have this kid DJ Foster, who I'm going to talk about a little later on, who I really like. Uh, coming in there so you got guys a lot of guys there at running back wide receiver I just mentioned all the names there tight end you have three legitimate tight ends and then you know the other side of the ball you've got now you have if you add in all these we're going to talk about the undrafted free agents in a minute but you signed a ton of corners you got a lot of guys coming back in the secondary you're beefing up the linebacker position your defensive line is Everything, everything is stacked up right now. You got a couple bodies deep at every position that I feel pretty good about, to be honest with you. So I think the team is going to be really, really, really strong this year. I know it's May, but I'm feeling really good already. I, oof, I'm feeling really good already, guys. I really am. Um, 
Anyway, Amendola is back. $7.35 million over the next two years, plus the $750,000 in potential incentives and bonuses that he can get. So, all in all, great deal. I mean, you cut his salary basically in half over the next two years, and you got a guy who hopefully he can come back at you again with another, you know, 65 catch. I don't think it'll be like that. I think he'll probably be closer to 45 to 50 catches considering you're adding Martellus Bennett. You got, you know, a little bit of a different. I think the offense is going to look totally different this year, guys. I think it's going to be a very different situation than it was last year. Last year they started they spread it out way too often for my liking. Uh last season and this year, when you have Martellus Bennett and Rob Gronkowski, and you bring those two guys in, and you got bookends on the offensive line, not only will, could that help in pass protection, but you're, the middle of the field is going to be a dangerous place. I mean, whew, I'm, I'm really, really excited to see Bennett and Gronkowski on the field at the same time, running those twin seam routes up the, up the side, and then have, you know, Edelman cut a quick slant over the middle, he'll be wide open. Oh, I'm just picturing it right now. I'm picturing it right now. Um, anyway, let's talk about a couple of draft picks that I like uh, over this past draft class. I, I really, I did I did like the draft as a whole. You know, obviously, Pages didn't have a first-round pick. It would have been nice if they had had one because there were the, the way the draft worked this past year with all the you know the controversy. They had the Laramie Tunsil thing. They had you know people trading up for certain players, so other guys that were projected to go really high dropped a lot further. You know, it would have been great to have that that first round pick if if only so you could have the potential to let's say maybe trade up and get an offensive lineman or, or something like that. You know what I mean? It would have been nice to have had the option to have, you know, to be able to do that. But look, you ended up with the 60th overall pick as your first pick, the second round, the end of the second round. And the Patriots drafted Cyrus Jones, a guy who I think is going to make a real impact in year one on this team. Uh, Cyrus Jones, he played corner at Alabama. He actually played wide receiver his freshman year at Alabama and then switched to cornerback in his sophomore year. He's not as big of a guy. You know, he's 5'10", 190, good size for a corner, not so much for a wide receiver, but good size for a corner. He's obviously got the speed. Um, he's a returner, a punt returner, fantastic. Uh, set a, a record, an Alabama record, by taking back four punt returns for touchdowns in his senior season last year. So, I mean, the kid's got a little bit of a dual threat action going to him. He can be a guy who you can use in the return game if you need to, which I like. Uh, and obviously, he's going to be he's gonna have a shot to play corner. I mean, I think he's going to be the nickel corner this year. I think that's going to be his spot. You're going to have Malcolm Butler on one side. You're going to have Logan Ryan on the other side. And then that nickel guy who's quick, he's going to be tough. He's got to be, you know, shifty. He's got to be able to know how to read routes and things like that. It's going to be this kid. It's going to be Cyrus Jones. Um, I think they have a ton of confidence in him. They generally nail these second-round picks, guys. They do. They generally nail them. I mean, if you look at the past couple years, oh, we'll go back a little further. You go back to, you know, 2000, I believe it was 2010. 2009, 2010, you got Devin McCourty in the second round. 
Uh, Logan Ryan was a second-round pick, I believe, or maybe he was third-round pick. Uh, Jamie Collins a couple of years ago was a second-round pick. So, and then I think you're grabbing this kid at the end of the second round. I think this is going to be a home run. And I know this might sound weird, but I think that the team has a lot of confidence in him as well for this very reason. Now, in in most years, I don't know, you know how much you guys follow up on the off-season activities of the New England Patriots, but every year after the draft, the Patriots, when, they, when they're introducing their, their draft picks to the media, they bring the, the highest drafted player, always a first-round pick, right, because they always generally have a first-round pick, they bring him to Gillette Stadium and they you know give him the jersey with the one on it and they present him and everything, and they do it every year. Well, this year, they didn't have a first-round pick, so the highest-drafted player that the Patriots had was Cyrus Jones. So he was the guy who was brought to Gillette Stadium. It was actually this past Friday. He came to Gillette Stadium. He was introduced to the media. They asked him a bunch of questions, things like that. And uh, they gave him the jersey. And Robert Kraft, team owner, obviously, came out and said, uh, Cyrus is going to win number 24 for us. He's... he's and then he went on. He went on to say, "Yeah, there's a lot of good karma that goes with that number and things like that." Obviously, you know, Darrell Revis most recently wore number 24 for the Patriots. Uh, most famously, Ty Law number 24 for the Patriots. So it does. the The number itself has has a lot of significance in Patriots lore, right? So I think. I mean, it sounds weird, but just the simple fact that they let this kid wear number 24 in his rookie year. I don't know. I feel like they really like him, and they really think he's going to be able to play early and make an impact early. I know it's weird, but I think that's what it's going to be. And the kid's got all the confidence in the world. If you read the quotes you know, from that press conference after he was introduced to the media and they said he's going to wear number 24, he said, yeah, you know, he, he called these guys out by names. He goes, I know, you know, Revis wore it and Ty Law wore it, and there's a lot of history that goes with this. He goes, and I'm, I want to make my own history with this number. You know, I want to put my own stamp on it, things like that. So, look, the kid's raring to go, and and I like it. I, th- I think that's a great a great attitude to have. He played at Alabama, which, you know, a kid who plays, anyone who plays on the best defense in college football, a pro-style defense with a pro-style head coach, a guy who will work the crap out of you every single day that you're at Alabama in Nick Saban, a guy who Bill Belichick trusts mightily, considering they worked together in Cleveland back in the 90s. Uh, Saban was an assistant coach for Bill Belichick there. So, I mean, they got a relationship. Belichick has drafted players out of Alabama before. You know, he's obviously, you know, Dante Hightower being the most significant, I would say, of them. And look, I think this is going to be a good, a, a big time pick. I w- when they drafted the kid, I said, "Wow!" I didn't know him by name. You know what I mean? He wasn't a, you know, he's not a guy who jumps off the screen. He's no, you know, Patrick Peterson, Tyran Matthew type guy. But look, I'll be honest. I was pretty underwhelmed with the corners that were taken in the draft in the first round. Like the the New York Giants took Eli Apple with the tenth overall pick. I, I thought that was foolish. Personally, I thought I thought it was foolish. So, and then I, there was a couple other corners that were taken, you know, throughout. And I was like, man, you know, the good guys are good. I don't, you know, I didn't see necessarily a guy like a Patrick Peterson type guy. I didn't see a guy who 
was head and shoulders better than everybody else in the draft class at the cornerback position. And I figured, listen, you, you, you're grabbing this kid, Cyrus Jones. He played at the he played on the best defense in college football for the past you know four years. Well, he played on the the defense for three years. He was a wide receiver as a freshman, but you know what I'm saying. He played in the system for you know his whole college career. He's probably got the work ethic. He's probably got the know-how, and he's got the talent. Second round pick, that's gonna be a steal. You're gonna look back on that five years from now and say, "Wow, he got Cyrus Jones with the 60th pick overall." Wow, Belichick does it again, <laughs> right? So that's the pick that I like, you know, the most out of all of these picks. Though that's the pick that that I am really, really just a huge fan of. Cyrus Jones, book it now, May 9th, two thousand sixteen. Michael Longi says Cyrus Jones is going to be your starting nickel corner in 2016 and he's going to do a good job for sure uh all right but before we uh before we get on to talking about a couple other players here uh, i would like like i mentioned uh we were supposed to have jeff kane join us unfortunately he couldn't make it today so uh we're gonna have to go on without him but if we were to have jeff kane on today he would have been brought to you by seat geek which is absolutely without question the best ticketing app on the planet uh if you guys have ever been frustrated tr- trying to buy tickets online, look no further than SeatGeek. Um, you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Um, I've used it several times. I've gone to a Red Sox game this year already. I uh, used it for a Celtics game earlier this year over the winter. Um, use it all the time. Love the SeatGeek app. Um, I've got a, a couple concerts that, I, that I've been looking to go to. can also go there. Lots of stuff. Um, I have the app on my phone, and uh, you know there is nothing better to just you know flip it on, check it out. You can look at tickets for anything: baseball, football, any sport, concert tickets, anything you want. SeatGeek has it all in one place. Um, the best part about SeatGeek is that they've taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. Uh, they pull all the tickets available on every other site, and they bring them all into one place. So you save a bunch of time looking, and you never miss out on a good deal. And even if you buy tickets that are a little more expensive, you can even set alerts for upcoming events, and SeatGeek will let you know if those ticket prices fall. So um, even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is ranked based on value, so you can immediately find those underpriced seats. And before you can buy, you can use the detailed maps that they provide to see the view of the event from your seat. Uh, best of all, they're always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike any of these other ticket places, they will show you the full ticket price from start to finish and never try to trick you with huge fees on the checkout page. Um, so guys, listen, right now, for your first SeatGeek purchase, if you want $20 off, you can get it right now. All you got to do to get a $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase, all you have to do is go ahead and download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click on the add a promo code, and then enter the promo code CELTICSBEAT, which is all one word. CELTICSBEAT. That's C-E-L-T-I-C-S-B-E-A-T with no space in between. And then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. No, it doesn't get any better than that, right? Um, so download the free SeatGeek app and enter the promo code CELTICSBEAT today, and you can go ahead and grab that rebate 
whenever you want. Um, so as I said, this would be the time normally when we go to the, the interview with Jeff Kane. Couldn't make it today, had, a, had a, some things to take care of. So uh, we're just going to move right along. We're going to talk about a couple other players that I'm really looking forward to seeing in Patriots uniforms this year. Um, one of them I mentioned a couple times already, and that's Malcolm Mitchell. Uh, fourth round pick, 112th player drafted overall. Um, and it was interesting. He's a kid who's the, he's got a lot of skill. Um, I was looking at his kind of numbers and splits and, you know, combine things and all that stuff, right, which is mind-numbing when you look at it for long enough. But I, I did want to see what this kid was about. And uh, numbers-wise, I mean, he has above-average speed, agility, quickness, explosion, hand size, arm length. He's six feet, 198 pounds. He's got great hands. He had three drops on 93 targets in 2015, and he only had one drop in 2014, the whole year. So we're talking four drops in the last two years with probably 200 or so passes thrown his way, about that, a little less, and he's only dropped four. That's pretty unbelievable. But then you say, okay, so why is he falling to the fourth round? I mean, he looks like he's a pretty talented kid, right? Well, you know, there's concerns about knee injuries. He's already had his knee fully reconstructed, ACL, MCL, all that stuff, PCL, I think. I think he had his whole thing redone. Um, that's already happened. He also didn't produce a lot. It was a lack of production at Georgia. He played at the University of Georgia, which for people who follow college football and watch – um, it is basically a running back factory. It's it's not it, it's a pro style offense, which is great, but it is a a run first pro style offense. You know what I mean? I mean, if you look at the the running backs that have come out of Georgia in the past five years, we're talking all NFL players. Isaiah Crowell, who's currently on the Browns, I believe he's still on the Browns. So you got Isaiah Crowell, uh, Todd Gurley, Keith Marshall, who just got drafted this year. Um, Nick Chubb, who is currently their running back, will be drafted next year. You know what I mean? So, I mean, they, it is literally a running back factory down there at Georgia. And they don't throw the ball that often. They haven't had a, a many great quarterbacks over the past few years uh, while Mitchell was there. They had um, Aaron Murray, I believe was his name. And he, he got drafted into the NFL, but he's he's a perennial backup somewhere. I'm not even sure where. But, yeah, I mean, they didn't have a great passing game at Georgia he didn't finish with a lot of gaudy numbers like some of these other wide receivers in college finish with but still the 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 key for me here is I, I mentioned that he runs in a he played in a pro style offense and it's it's important to say that because in this specific pro style offense that he ran it was very similar to the Patriots in that he had to adjust his routes that he ran based on the coverage that the that the defense was giving so the Patriots if the if the defense is showing you this specific look you have to run this specific routes and you have to judge adjust your routes based on what they give you and the Patriots do a very very similar they have a very similar concept where you have to kind of feel things out you play by scheme if you see the zone defense you know to drop it in a hole and Brady will know that you're there things like that so I think that can make him a pretty viable piece of the puzzle here let's say you know a guy like Danny Amendola gets hurt maybe you have a guy like Malcolm Mitchell that can step in and things like that now he could also be Aaron Dobson 2.0 
right? There is always that possibility. And we, as we all know, the Patriots have famously whiffed on so many wide receiver draft picks. It's, it's almost unbelievable how many, (laughs) how many draft picks, wide receiver draft picks that they've completely whiffed on. So I think for that reason, they kind of held back. They waited until the fourth round to draft a guy. Kind of the end-ish of the fourth round, middle to end of the fourth round, the 112th pick overall. And they just said, listen, we're going to we're gonna grab this kid. We're going to see what he's about. He's got a lot of measurables. Like I said, the above average speed, agility, quickness, explosion. He, he aced all of those drills at the combine, the three-cone, the shuttle run, the uh, the long jump, the broad I mean the broad jump, the high jump, the vertical test, all that stuff. He was money on all that, and he had fantastic hands. He caught everything they threw at him, right? Like I said, he had the the iffy production at Georgia. He's got the knee injuries. He drops the fourth round, so that that could also end up being a steal. And you know, not overlooking his backstory, um, I'm sure the guys mentioned it on the show last week. But the whole, you know, he only read at an 8th grade level. And when he tore up his knee, that's when he kind of realized it. And he threw himself into books, joined a book club, ended up, you know, becoming enthralled in reading and writing and ended up publishing his own children's book, uh, which is now out in stores. So, I mean, doesn't get any better than that. The kid pulled himself up by his bootstraps. Definitely a Belichick type of guy, in my opinion. It's what it sounds like to me. Um, speaking of Belichick kind of guys, Joe Thune, who was the third round pick, 78th overall by the Patriots, I think he'll be a, a contributor. Now, this is more of a position of need, and I'll, I'll admit, at first, I was pretty questionable about this decision. I said, well, what are they doing? The third round, they drafted a guard? Like, they have guards. They have, like, 15 guards. They need tackles. They need tackles. Their injuries happened at tackle last year, right? They lost Sebastian Vollmer, and they lost Nate Solder. And they had Marcus Cannon, who was a turnstile, and they had Adrian Waddle, who didn't look like he knew what he was doing out there. So you had nothing at tackle. And like I said earlier, that would have been great if you had that first-round pick, even if you could have the potential option to trade up into, the let's say, the 20s uh, and grab a, a tackle. There was a couple tackles that went in the first round that you could have maybe made a run at if you had had that first round pick. Not to say that, you know, they would have traded up because Belichick rarely, if ever, does that. But look, that was a position of severe need and still is, in my opinion. But they went out and they grabbed this kid, Joe Thune, who's 6'5", 300 pounds, uh, and apparently very versatile. Now, I can't. he came out of NC State. I can't tell you that I watched too much NC State football. Uh, I think I watched the one game when they played BC, which they, I mean, they beat BC because BC was awful this year, but I didn't see too much ACC football, and I can't tell you I watched too much offensive line in that case, but according to everything I've read here, uh, the kid is extremely versatile. He's played almost every single position on the offensive line. He started um, at left tackle, left guard, right guard, and right tackle. And apparently, reading here, even uh, when the Patriots worked him out in the pre-draft workout, they even snapped him at center. So they literally worked him at every single offensive line position because look, versatility is the name of the game for the Patriots, right? It always has been. It always will be. And this kid is that. 
he is versatile, which is, you know, I think that's a Belichick thing. That's what he wants. And even though he's listed as a guard, and he's, even he said that he considers himself more of a guard, he started the entire senior year last year in 2015 at left tackle for NC State. And he was named a first-team All-American at left tackle at NC State. Um, in ACC play last year, he didn't allow a single snap in 589 snaps at left tackle. So, I mean, look, that's a totally different ball game. ACC football is a totally different ball game. It's light years away from NFL football. But that's pretty promising. I mean, a kid who considers himself a guard to move out to left tackle, arguably the most difficult position to play on the offensive line, and to be named a first-team All-American in your first year, not allow a sack in almost 600 snaps, that's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. So, I mean, he'll he'll obviously be thrown into the mix with all these other guys. Uh, you're obviously going to get guys like, you're going to get Ryan Wendell back. You're going to get Brian Stork back. You're going to get, you know, Dave, David Andrews will be there still. So, I mean, look, Brian Stork is going to be your center, right? Which means Ryan Wendell will play some guard. Andrews will probably be your backup center. And then your other guard spot could be Shaq Mason. It could be Trey Jackson who will be coming back. It could be uh, a couple. I mean, it could be this kid, Joe Thune. And you obviously have your your tackles, uh, Vollmer and Solder for now. And then that swing tackle position, which could still be Cannon, I guess. I don't like that it's Marcus Cannon. But, you know, we talked about the tight ends earlier in the show. I think the tight ends will help with the pass protection slash run blocking for that offensive line. If you need to keep guys in, you can keep guys in and, and help them block, things like that. So it's like last year, if you, you couldn't leave Gronk in to block for Brady because that means you're taking away Brady's number one option in the passing game. But now, if you, you can leave Gronk in and then maybe throw Martellus Bennett out, you know what I mean, have him go out. And then on the next play, you can drop Martellus Bennett can stop, and then Rob Gronkowski can go up. You can do a lot of different things when you have two huge pass-catching tight ends who are also above-average blockers. So I think the offensive line will be helped in that way. But the kid Joe Thune, I think he'll have a chance to to make a pretty decent impact. There's always going to be injuries, and there's almost always injuries on the offensive line. So this kid could see some playing time, but... We'll see about that. Uh, all right, let's move on to the undrafted free agents. There was a whole slew of undrafted free agents signed by the Patriots over the past week. They went, uh, they grabbed nine different players. They went pretty heavy on cornerback. They grabbed a few guys. I think they they they're pretty much falling into the Malcolm Butler uh, formula at this point, right? It's, it's it would seem that way because they went out and they you know they got. Malcolm Butler was an undrafted free agent uh, two years ago. He ended up, you know, playing in spots and then ended up being the hero of the Super Bowl, obviously. Came out in his first full season as a number one corner and made the Pro Bowl. You know what I mean? So everyone was like, wow, that's that's the way to go. And it looks like Bill Belichick's going right back to that well and trying to bring back that magic again. He signed uh, three undrafted corners. Uh, you've got 
Uh, Angelo Bentley out of Illinois. Now, listen, I'm going to ruin these names here. Uh, Angelo, it's V apostrophe Angelo Bentley out of the University of Illinois. Uh, the next one is Cravon, C-R-E apostrophe V-O-N, Cravon LeBlanc out of Florida Atlantic University and uh, Jonathan Jones out of the University of Auburn. So those are the three wide receivers, I mean the three corners, excuse me, that they went out and grabbed in uh, as undrafted players. All kind of, you know, they, they were a little undersized. They were, you know, overlooked for various reasons. If we look at this kid, Bentley, uh, 5'10", 190, similar size to um, Cyrus Jones. Also a great special teams player, a great returner. Um, one of the most dangerous returners in the Big Ten last year. Um, and he's a guy who's got a chip on his shoulder. He always has. You know, he was he was a running back in high school, a great running back in high school in Ohio. Uh, he was overlooked. He was uh, oh, he wanted to go to Ohio State. He was overlooked by Ohio State because of his size. Um, he ended up going to Illinois, where he ended up converting, obviously, to corner, kick returner, punt returner. Became a great, one of the best punt returners in uh, the Big Ten. And look, he's going to continue to carry a chip on his shoulder because he was once again overlooked and not drafted. So, that's a kid to look out for, I guess. The next one, uh, Cravon LeBlanc, 5'9", 194. Uh, played at a high school in Florida that just, like, apparently churns out these high, uh, NFL prospects. Like, something unbelievable, like 35 NFL, like, either current or former NFL players went to this high school. It was something crazy. Like, it's just the hotbed of professional football players come out of here. Um and he had offers from uh, LSU in Florida back in uh, his senior year of high school. He ended up being accused of sexual assault as a senior in high school and was suspended for his entire senior year. Th- got all his offers pulled from the table. Thought his you know career was over. Ended up getting an offer from uh, Florida Atlantic University, where you know in 2015 as a senior he was their defensive MVP, 43 tackles, four interceptions. Uh, in his his senior season there, and overlooked probably you know partly because of his size, but partly because of the the baggage that he's carrying, right? So we'll see about that. And then Jonathan Jones out of Auburn. This is a kid that I'm sure out of the three, I'm sure that people who watch college football and things like that, you've probably seen more of this kid than any of the other corners that that I've mentioned. Um, he played at Auburn, like I said, they were on TV a decent amount. Uh, five foot nine, one eighty six. Small guy. Um, apparently, though, in 2011, when he was a senior in high school, he was one of the fastest players in all of Georgia. Uh, he was an all-state track athlete. He ran the 110-meter hurdles in 14.02 seconds. Whoa. The 300 hurdles in 37.39. Whoa. This is another nickel corner type of player. He's a small, quick, shifty guy can deal with those click quickers uh, slot receivers. He's a guy uh, I think he might be out of the 3. I mean out of the, you know, the 3 undrafted players, the 3 undrafted corners, excuse me. I think he might be the guy to look at as um, one who might follow in the footsteps of a Malcolm Butler. He played at a big time school, played at Auburn, played against, you know, the best competition all that stuff, so and uh, that speed is nothing to be joked around with, right? I mean, if you're a guy who can run 110 meters in 14 seconds, that's you're a pretty quick guy. So 
Um, definitely like 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 that. I mean, I, it's an interesting idea that you know he's going after Belichick is going after all of these different corners, undrafted corners, trying to maybe recreate that magic that he got from Malcolm Butler, right? Um, also uh, signed as an undrafted free agent, DJ Foster, listed as a wide receiver out of Arizona State, but this kid is your prototypical dual threat New England Patriots uh, Shane Vereen type of a guy. Right here. 5'10", 195, scored 60 touchdowns as a senior in high school. 6-0, 60 touchdowns in one season as a senior in high school in Arizona. Which is mind-boggling to me. Like I can't even fathom 60 touchdowns. You got to figure they he probably played what? If if we're if he played in every single game and they went all the way to the state championship game. He probably played a max of 14 or 15 games in his in his, you know, senior season. This kid averaged almost four four touchdowns a game. Four or five touchdowns a game in high school. The kid's got explosive ability, to say the least, right? Um, he had his his junior year at Arizona State was his best year. Uh, he rushed for uh, 1,081 yards and also had 62 catches for 688 yards. Now that's playing in what 13 games, Thir- maybe 13 games. He had over a thousand rush yards, uh, over 60 catches. I mean, wow, wow, the kid is he puts the numbers up. I'll tell you that much. Uh, one of five, one of only five players in NCAA history to finish his career with 2,000 plus rush yards and 2,000 plus receiving yards in his career. And not only that, he played all 53 games of his four-year career. So not only is he a playmaker and an explosive player, he's also extremely tough and durable. He takes, he gets the ball all that time, takes all that punishment, and still played every single game. That's a guy I want on my team, right? You got to figure why did he go undrafted? Well, he had a pre- he had a poor senior year. He didn't play as well. Um, you know, a lot of things could have. I really couldn't tell you, but I did. I do know that right after the draft ended, uh, there there was videos and stuff online. Uh, Foster had teams after him. The Cardinals wanted him bad. His home, you know, home state team. Wanted him bad. The Houston Texans wanted him bad. But Bill Belichick made the call. And DJ Foster said, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. Going to the Patriots. Because he knows. I think he knows. He says, I'm going to go there and I'm going to be I'm gonna be Shane Vereen. I'm going to be Deion Lewis. Is this what I'm going to be? And Look, I know Deion Lewis had a fantastic year last year before he got hurt, but the ma- the fact of the matter is, is he got hurt, and he also has gotten hurt. He broke his leg in his rookie season. So, I mean, he is a guy who has had leg problems early in his career. Maybe this is a kid who they get as an insurance policy and say, well, look, if we lose Deion Lewis, we might be able to get this kid and have him go out there and play. So, I think, I think that's... DJ Foster and Jonathan Jones are the two names from the undrafted uh, free agent class 
that I think you should keep an eye on and I think you should pay attention to. Because I think those are the two guys out of the group that will probably make the team and probably contribute if if they're going to contribute. So uh, the other, let's see, five undrafted free agents, six undrafted free agents that were signed. We've got uh, C.J. Johnson, a linebacker out of Ole Miss. Steven Shue, a tight end out of Vanderbilt. Bryce Williams, another tight end out of East Carolina. Darunya Wilson, a wide receiver out of Mississippi State, who, interestingly enough, ran the slowest 40 time of all wide receivers at the Combine. Um, he's like 6'5", 240 as a wide receiver. So, I mean, he's basically a tight end. That's what I would picture, but he probably just can't block or anything like that, right? So, uh, And then you also grabbed a defensive tackle, Woodrow Hamilton out of Ole Miss, and a free safety out of Texas A&M, Devontae Burns. So, you know, generally the the crop of undrafted free agent talent is is just that. They're undrafted free agents. They're guys who you you know are gonna be camp bodies. They're gonna really really try to to make the team. But you know, chances are most of them won't make the team. They'll just be camp bodies. But I think the guys that I mentioned, I think Jonathan Jones, I think DJ Foster, I think these are guys who will make the team. And I think, honestly, all of these undrafted corners have a shot to make the team because the Patriots released Rashawn Melvin a few days ago, which is so not news, I didn't even feel the need to tell you guys about it until right now um, because he was just so incredibly awful in the time that he played last year. But they released him, and your, your most experienced corner outside of Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan, who are your two starters, obviously, your most experienced corner is Justin Coleman in his second season. And he didn't play much and didn't play very well last year. So all of these guys, the four corners that we've talked about, Cyrus Jones, Viangelo Bentley, Cravon LeBlanc, and Jonathan Jones, all have a chance to not only make the team, but grab a starting spot and contribute pretty significantly right away so all right now that I've held it off for as long as I possibly could let's talk about a little deflate gate <sighs> I'm so done with this but look the the latest news is Tom Brady's team has been given a two-week extension to file for a rehearing in the deflate gate appeal it is what's called an en banc uh, rehearing, an en banc hearing. Um, basically, so they had three of the Second Circuit Court of Appeals judges listen to this. And now, with, if they are granted an en banc hearing, I think it's, I believe there's 10 of them, 10 judges. I think all 10 of them will hear it at that point. And then if that's denied or if they overturn it or whatever, I think they can potentially make it all the way to the Supreme Court if the Supreme Court would take it. But Tom Brady's hired the big guns. He hired Ted Olson, Theodore Olson, who is a guy who has argued, you know, something over 60 cases in front of the Supreme Court. He's got, you know, a 750 winning percentage. He's basically the Tom Brady of appellate lawyers with his 750 winning percentage. So he's always there and he's always winning. So, I mean, that makes me feel pretty good as a Patriots fan, as a Tom Brady fan. I mean, look. I want the guy to play opening night in uh, in Arizona, but 
We'll see what happens. I mean, look, honestly, to be honest, I do think that if he doesn't get this, he's going to serve the suspension. I do think that that's going to happen. I don't think the Supreme Court is going to hear this because for the simple fact that it's written into the collective bargaining agreement. The only reason I think that the en banc hearing is going to happen is the dissent. The dissent from Chief Judge Robert uh, Katzman was pretty, I thought, was pretty convincing. I mean, he went on to say, look, Goodell went over the line. He was, you know, it's unprecedented. It's troubling, quote, troubling to him, the ruling, things like that. Um, If we're keeping score... So far, we've got two judges ruling for Brady and two judges ruling for the NFL, right? Richard Berman said that Tom Brady was fine. Robert Katzman says in his dissent that Tom Brady is fine. And then you've got the other two, uh, Denny Chin and uh, Barrington Parker, who are saying, now the NFL, Article 46, Article 46, Article 46. So if we're keeping score, it's two to two. And that and that means this has got to go to someone else. we got to keep having this thing here. Right? So, where does it end? I think it ends with this uh, this en banc hearing if it happens. If it doesn't happen, Brady's serving the suspension. That's just how it's going to be. Because I don't think the Supreme Court is going to hear it. I just don't. I mean, I would like to think that the Supreme Court has better things to worry about than, than Tom Brady. Right? It would almost be kind of embarrassing if, if deflating, if Deflategate made it to the Supreme Court, Tom Brady versus the NFL in front of the Supreme Court. I mean, this isn't like the reserve clause in baseball back in the 70s, you know what I mean, where players were literally stuck with the team that drafted them for their entire career and they couldn't do anything about it and free agency didn't exist. This isn't that. This isn't like infringing upon the rights of you as a player or a human. This is... This is punishing somebody this is written into the collective bargaining agreement that Roger Goodell can do whatever he wants and unfortunately that's what the players gave up because they just gave in way too quickly back in 2010 and if they had any brains they'd start working right now and saving their money so that they can just continue to hold out until they get what they want in the next collective bargaining agreement because they cannot allow Roger Goodell to continue to have this amount of power in the CBA. It's going to be tough, though. I mean, you already gave it to him. Taking it away from him now is going to be way harder. So, I mean, that, that was just a bad move by the Players Association. They cracked way too early. They just cracked. They wanted, you know, other things, other concessions to be made ahead of that. Maybe they thought that it would never get to this point, right? Maybe they thought, well, I mean, look, we'll give him all the power in the world, but what, what's going to happen where he's going to, like, unfairly punish somebody? And... Look, I mean, in fairness, I mean, I'm sure they couldn't foresee that Roger Goodell would, you know, go after the Patriots in the way that he did. But the fact of the matter is, is this happened. Roger Goodell legally, by the collective bargaining agreement, has the power to punish Tom Brady however he wants. And that's probably what's going to end up happening. And the Patriots will go three and one. (laughs) Well, uh, well, Brady's out. Like I said, Jimmy G's like the 8th or ninth best quarterback in the AFC, right? So, I mean, you're, you're still rolling pretty well if you lose Tom Brady for those four games. Um, Alright, guys, we're 
we're about done here. I'm I'm running out of steam, to be honest with you. I, I wish we could add Jeff on. We'll try to get him on on, on the next show that we have, and uh, we'll try to get you guys some, some of his insight because I know he's got great thoughts on on this whole Deflategate thing. I haven't asked him about Deflategate in a long time, so I'm excited to hear what he has to say about that. But uh, until then, guys, be sure to go ahead and follow me on Twitter, at M underscore Alonji. Uh, you can also go ahead and follow uh, this show on Twitter, at Patriots underscore Beat. Also, go ahead and follow the Mother Network uh, Twitter handle, at CLNS Radio, and all of our other uh, Patriots Beat hosts follow their Twitters as well. Um, You can grab this uh, podcast on iTunes and Stitcher on Monday, May 9th, 2016. And uh, look, guys, that's going to do it for the Patriots Beat podcast this week. Um, If you guys want to help and support the show, please go ahead on uh, iTunes and Stitcher. Give us a subscription, a rating and a review it'd really help us out it's you know how we figure out how we're doing well how we can better serve you guys and all that stuff so it'd be really huge if you could do that subscribe rating review on uh, itunes and or stitcher that would be fantastic um today's show was presented to you today as always by the seat geek ticketing app uh, once again always go ahead and use the promo code celtics beat with no space in between uh, for a $20 rebate when you download the SeatGeek mobile app for your first purchase. Uh, it's a great deal, and it, as uh, once again, helps us support this show right here. Um, I want to give a shout-out to everybody who tuned in this week and listened. I would like to thank our guest, Jeff Kane of ESPN New Hampshire, even though he couldn't be with us. I know he feels bad about it, so we'll try to get him on uh, in the coming weeks as well. Uh, so, guys, we're going to get out of here. Uh, for CLNS Radio Executive Producer Larry H. Russell, uh, the founder of our great network, Nick Gelso, uh, my name is Michael Longi. This is the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Radio. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>